It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Tuesday, August 10th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Today on the show here, Locked On Dolphins, it's Tuesday, which means it is your day of the week, your opportunity to bring your questions, hot takes, feedback, musings, you name it. It's all on the table here on Locked on Dolphins. Power to the pod. Power is in your hands for the direction of today's show. And we're going to get things rolling today right away with the iTunes reviews of the show. We're going to take the questions that I have found tucked into reviews of the show. And then we'll switch gears and ho- head over to Twitter and see what you guys dropped over on the Twitter timeline as well. Our first iTunes review question comes from Flawist. And this was left on August 1st. So it's, uh, it's a testament to uh, sometimes, depending on if, if you file these close to the recording of Power to the Pod, uh, they don't show up in the queue for a day or two. Uh, so sometimes they slip through the cracks. But I do my best to go back and get them. So uh, five-star review from Flawless. Thank you very much. Uh, who do you foresee as the Dolphins' captains this upcoming season? It would be great to see some hometown guys like Wilkins and Baker get the captain's designation. Yeah, I think you're on the right trail with the defensive side of the football. Uh, I can certainly see Jerome Baker, obviously him probably being somebody who's going to be a green dot guy again this year and uh, have a lot of communication and responsibility for the defense. I think he makes a lot of sense. Wilkins entering into year three, uh, he's received positive feedback from his position coaches as far as uh, the shape that he was in coming into this year. Uh, for the two days that I was down in Miami Gardens last week, he was routinely one of the first guys out on the field, and he was working on his hand placement and hand drills before anybody else was getting out there and getting strapped up. So he's continuing to work hard and put the best foot forward that he possibly can. I think of the offensive side of the ball, you'd ideally like to see Tua Tungvaloa. Uh, kind of command that from the offense and command that respect of his team. I don't know if that's necessarily something that we'll see happen, but I do think that's probably an ideal scenario as far as team culture and buying guys. Baker, they just gave a three-year contract extension to. Wilkins was the team's first ever draft pick with this regime, and Tua Tagovailoa was their most important pick under this regime. Next one comes from Fanatic Frugal. Kyle, love the pod. Thanks for all you do. Thank you for listening. How do you think Big Fish does 
when the pads come on. So this was filed on uh, August 2nd. Obviously talking about Solomon Kinley, big fish. Discouraged to see him with the third string, although I recognize that there is a lot of experimentation with offensive line combinations in training camp. Hoping to see him line up at left guard week one. Thoughts on him and the offensive line in general. Uh, the offensive line is one of the hot-button topics this week, and the Dolphins obviously dropped a, their first depth chart, to which I would say in a lot of ways we can take it with a grain of salt. Uh, would not be surprised if the final product for when the Dolphins take the field in Week 1, it does not necessarily look super similar, uh, but I think there's some some head games and some messaging that's being delivered with that, and for Solomon Kinley specifically, I think, obviously, they have... This is all about evaluation, right? This is all about the opportunity to evaluate what pieces you have. And it seems like the expectation for Solomon Kinley is that you know what you have there because he obviously played and started 13 games last year for you. So that may be the... Part of the motivation, I suppose, would probably be the way to phrase it, is they're trying to evaluate Liam Eikenberg, get a feel for how good he is there. The Dolphins should be encouraged that Liam Eikenberg uh, is penciled in as a first-string player at, at left guard. That's one thing that I'm going to go off on a, a little sidebar here. But if you draft Liam Eikenberg and trade up and secure him, the fact that he's not taking the right tackle job is a bit of a buzzkill because it puts you in a bind. But if you get a quality starter and he steps into that role and he secures that and he plays well, it's now on you to, to find the rest of the pieces. It's never going to land exactly the way you expect it to, right? There's always going to be that level of unpredictability. And... I'll be okay. I will find plenty of solace if Liam Eikenberg lands at left guard and ends up being very good there because you got a good starting lineman. Now, I don't think their plan initially was for him to play there. And the coaches were asked on Monday, you know, about his situation at playing left guard. And they said, we know he can play tackle. We want to move him around. But I do think the reps especially when you consider he is playing right tackle as compared to left tackle. Uh, those reps are valuable to get him there if he's going to play there. So my expectation as this thing continues is if they're putting him at first team left guard, I'm probably expecting Liam Eikenberg to play left guard. Uh, there, There's, like I said, plenty of motivation messages that are being delivered and head games that are taking place, but... That is one that I kind of see the way it's flowing, the way it's moving. My expectations probably fit that Liam Eikenberg should be their left guard. Uh, Lieutenant Spears, Kyle, thanks for all you do. Appreciate the hard work and dedication. Everything coming out of camp sounds great other than one thing, the offensive line play. Aha, uh -huh, some more offensive line questions. Can you dive into the pros and cons of looking into signing veteran tackle Mitchell Schwartz? I understand the injury history, but if he comes in and passes a physical, could it really be worse than Jesse Davis? He fits all the team's typical size quotas. Just a thought. Uh, I just, 
it's hard to say with certainty, right? Because the Dolphins' MO has not been to go out and sign guys that are 35-plus that are going to take a one-year deal and try and put them in a position to win in 2021. It's it's just not really they they've brought in some guys who are rotational players. But that would be a pretty big departure in my opinion from what this team has. So I look at who some of the tackles are that are on the free agent market right now. Ricky Wagner, DeMar Dotson, Marshall Newhouse, Marcus Gilbert. The options aren't great. So that's why the report that comes out from Michael Lombardi that the the team is potentially calling around exploring some additions. I believe it. Because the opportunities to add talent here uh, in free agency are effectively gone. So you're going to have to find and identify uh, a team that has some surplus and target one of those players if you want the added depth and insurance to have more flexibility instead of just binding to Jesse Davis if Liam Eikenberg is indeed going to push Solomon Kinley out of the starting lineup uh, and take the left guard spot. Mitchell Schwartz, if they weren't going to go for Morgan Moses, I don't think they're going to go for Mitchell Schwartz. Last iTunes question comes from Larry. Do you think it's realistic for Tua to have 4,000 yards passing and 25-plus touchdowns this year. If so, what do you project our record being? Really early, but I look at the schedule and can't say it's unreasonable for us to have 11 to 12 wins. Fins up. If two passes for 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns, yeah, you're getting 11 wins. The rest of the team would have to be an absolute nightmare dumpster fire, and even then I trust the coaching to get quality play out. Or if you're getting that kind of level of production from the passing game, you're going to score enough points to win because this team's not going to beat itself. Is it realistic? Haven't seen Tua last week? No, I don't think it's unrealistic for that to be a hope or an expectation. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can check all the action over at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, and UFC before any additional games get underway. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're going to have to excuse me. It's about 10.30 on Monday evening, the 9th. 
classy pour. We have a nice rye bourbon this evening. And with that, little sip. Good bite. Let's go ahead and shift gears over the Twitter questions. I do know there were a ton. And when I say a ton, I mean there were 60 replies to the solicitation for questions to power to the pod on a tweet that was sent at 4 p.m. on Monday afternoon. In six hours, 60 replies. You monsters. So, let's dive right in. First one from Johnny Slim. Why are we paying Eric Flowers to play in Washington? Couldn't we have used him for depth or a trading chip? Eric Flowers, as evidenced by the fact that they had to pay money just to get him off the books, had zero value in trade, in my opinion, because his quality of play, his most valuable trait was his experience. His second most valuable trait was his leadership. He was a below-average player. And if Liam Eikenberg wins that job, the Dolphins coaching staff, regardless of what my personal valuation is of Jesse Davis, they clearly like Jesse. They like his versatility. They like how he sees the game. I would be willing to bet anything. They view the combination of Liam Eikenberg at left guard and Jesse Davis at right tackle as greater than a rookie at right tackle on the blind side and Eric Flowers at left guard. Jesse, can we get some possible cut candidates from other teams the Dolphins might try to claim or trade for? I hear they're looking for tackle depth. I've heard the same thing, and you, my friend, are trying to poach a full day's topic in power to the pod, you monster. I absolutely, positively will answer this question, but not today. Roger, hearing a lot of chatter about Waddle's limp, is there anything to this? Would the Dolphins really have him out there if there was a chance of re-injury? Brian Flores attributed it to potentially soreness. He said, you know, nine days of camp, a lot of wear and tear. I could tell you this. When he is in between the snap and the whistle, you can't tell there's anything wrong. And you go back to before the injury against Tennessee, and he had a little hitch in his giddy-up, in just his gait pattern. So I'm not reading anything into it at all. Um, is there potentially additional levels of explosiveness and, and quickness to, to Waddle's game yet to be uh, retained as he continues to work his way back and train? Perhaps. We could only be so lucky, because that's a terrifying thought to opposing uh, defenders if Waddle's not at 100%, but, but clearly they don't view there any chance of being a risk of re-injury. But if he has additional levels to unlock, then God bless trying to cover him which is a, a far cry from what you're hearing out of Cincinnati these days about Jamar Chase. Charles wants to know if the offensive line gets more rework with the upcoming cut personnel. Solomon moving off the left side has me a little concerned. I would say this, uh, and this kind of falls in line with Rich's question, which is next on the queue. Do you think the Dolphins acquire any new team members via trade prior to week one? If so, what positions? I think their starting five is on the roster right now. I'd be really surprised if they managed to swing a trade for somebody who ends up being the starter for week one. It's a little late in the game for that. 
At this point, you're looking for depth options. And let, let's give the Dolphins credit. You know, they, they put their foot out there to try to achieve this while simultaneously addressing all of the other needs on the roster. And this was the downside to tearing your roster completely down overnight in 2019. You have a lot of holes to fill. So the Dolphins tried to fill hole at inside linebacker, hole at nickel corner, hole at free safety, underwhelming play at left guard. You got to replace your Sam linebacker and Kyle Van Noy. You need to upgrade your offensive weapons for Tua Tungvaloa. You need a center. Like, it, it was mathematically impossible for you with a cap crunch to hit it all unless you were going to trade away from talent. They very clearly liked some of the talent and prioritized it. But they went out and they did try to add Isaiah Wilson. He was off the team in a week because he doesn't want to play football and wants to pretend to be a rapper. They brought in DJ Fluker, arthroscopic surgery, the start of camp. You can't foresee that. Does anybody have a problem if, if DJ Fluker doesn't accidentally find himself uh, with an injury settlement and being waived? Dolphins can't control that. They put plenty of effort forward. They'll get creative, and I'm sure they will find something to do. I would be willing to bet if they set their heart on finding tackle depth, they will find someone to bring in. You might not love who it is. But at the end of the day, because of that, I think the starting five is on the roster. Tone Toto, you, oh, you have to create a new built bar based on the Miami Dolphins franchise. What are the ingredients? Okay. One thing that I have enjoyed in my trips down, uh, is the Cuban coffee. So I think I'm going to go with a Cuban coffee-themed built Bar. Uh, as far as the, the finer points and ingredients, uh, I don't know if I have that kind of baker's skills. My um, skills in the kitchen are quite underwhelming. You'll probably be disappointed to hear, but uh, I'm going to go with a Cuban coffee-themed built Bar. So built Bar, call me. Let's figure it out. Connor. Question, from what you've seen, how has Jalen Phillips looked from what you've seen? I haven't heard much. Also, can you shout out my dad, Dennis Swanton? Swanton. It's his birthday yesterday. And he's the reason I'm a Dolphins fan. Keep up the great work. Connor, Dennis, happy birthday to you. You got a son who very clearly loves you very, very much. And uh, thanks for, for keeping Connor on the straight and narrow and in the Dolphins family. As far as Jalen Phillips, I wish I had insight for you. Uh, the practices that I attended, he did not participate in. Uh, I do did read that they did gassers or whatever kind of conditioning at the end of practice on Sunday, and he was out there running around, and he is listed with a, a lower body injury. So that is encouraging, to say the least, that he's able to out, be out there and running, and I saw him on the bike. So cautiously optimistic. I think this probably does peg him. Brennan Scarlett's had a nice camp. They have the 2019 season with Vince Beagle. Andrew Van Ginkle win healthy. I think this probably does peg Jalen Phillips into more of a third down role early in the season. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about his availability for week one, but I do think it probably makes him somebody who's going to be more on third downs early on if he's not getting the reps right now. Just a guess, though. 
Cliffy Mack, true or false, Shaquem Grant doesn't make the roster unless he restructures his contract. I think this can be false because the Dolphins' cap situation, um, they have cap room right now. Everybody's signed. And Jakeem's under contract. Now, would it be prudent of them to try to manipulate the cap and get a little extra room? Sure, absolutely. But uh, he's already on the books, and they're already under the cap. So once that numbers game has to take place, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be super pressing for them uh, to push that. Kevin, I hear C.J. Henderson is on the trade block. Henderson for Noah, question mark. The Henderson thing is is surprising. Uh, it doesn't sound. It sounds like there's something to do with his his personal situation uh, that's causing some hardship and struggle in Jacksonville. Uh, but obviously the ninth overall pick or, or whatever as a top 10 selection to be on the trade block after one year is a bit of a flag, a red flag. And hopefully everything is okay with him in his personal situation, but I don't think that swap is probably going to appeal to Jacksonville. They signed Shaquille Griffin in free agency. They drafted Tyson Campbell with a number 33 overall pick. Uh, they have some young talent. They would probably want more pro-ready talent if they were to move away a young talent who's not ready to play. So for Miami, it might seem like a reasonable roll of the dice to make, but I don't think it makes a ton of sense for Jacksonville. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. So whether you're looking for something to grab and go, something to replace a meal throughout the course of the day, something healthy, something keto-friendly, or something delicious, you name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com and choose any of their nine delicious flavors that are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, and have 100% chocolate on all their bars. And you can save 15% off your next order using promo code LOCKED15. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Coming down the home stretch here. There's no way I'm going to get all these 60 questions. Okay, so Nick, how can Dolphins fans in Chicago meet you on Saturday at the Bears game? So... Full transparency, I'm going down on a work trip for TDN, uh, which means those work obligations are going to consume most of my free time, but I am going to be at the game. Uh, I do not know where we are sitting. It's been arranged through TDN, uh, so I can't tell you exactly where I'm sitting, if I'm going to be in the stands, anything like that, but I will be at the stadium. Uh, I will be there for the game. And I will have the opportunity when I find out more to get on Twitter and say, hey, I'm going to be at the stadium at such and such time. 
before the game starts, or we may be able to hang around for a little bit after the game. So meet me here. Uh, so keep stay tuned if you're going to be at the uh, the Dolphins Bears game in Chicago on Saturday. Stay tuned on Twitter. Uh, I will make sure that you guys are in the loop uh, when I am sending out tweets as we get closer to game day. Uh, to a flow, Kyle, why can they not find a right tackle? I have a hard time believing they went into the draft and offseason thinking Jesse Davis is that guy. Can Liam really not make the move to the right side? Are they just moving slowly? Uh, again, kind of going back to what we went through, they, they took minor risks while also trying to fill out the rest of the offensive line. And I'll say this about offensive line construction in general. The sum of the whole is bigger than the sum of the individual parts. If you have chemistry, if you have a group of five that effectively communicates, you don't need to have a bunch of all-pro players out there. You don't need to have a bunch of Pro Bowl players. You can have a couple of mid-level players. And I know everybody makes a big deal about the blind side and all this and that and the other thing, but I would say, especially for Tua, if you're sturdy inside... That's going to be most important because if he's got inside pressure in his face with his stature, getting the ball out anywhere is going to be a hardship. So I think for Tua specifically, with his mobility, his his short area quickness, his stature, and his field vision, and he talked a little bit about this, about trying to anticipate what spots guys are going to be in because of his stature and his, his sight lines. Having integrity up the middle for this offense specifically and for for this quarterback, I think has more value than having quote-unquote bookend tackles. And that's probably the optimist in me spinning this a certain way. And if Jesse Davis goes out there and uh, does not perform to a level of expectation that uh, is acceptable for a team that's hoping to be a playoff team, then we can... Cross that bridge when we get there. But I do think it's worth mentioning that there's no shortage of combinations to build a winning formula up front. And for Dolphins fans, I get it because we've been trash on the offensive line for like five years. 2016 was the last good line, and they were hardly healthy and playing together. So I get it. The expectation every year for the Dolphins for through your eyes as a fan as well, the line stinks. The line stinks. The line stinks. Oh man, this guy's back again. It's not going to work. You need to see what the the progression of the talent on the field that was on the field last year. What level of steps forward that they take. But I like the combination that you have inside. I like the DNA from guard to guard, B gap to B gap. I like what you have. And you can always provide more help in the form of a tight end to chip on somebody outside. Or alternatively, you can include a back in the backfield and go six-man protection. Miles Gaskin, remember, was one of the best passing down backs in football from a productivity standpoint and a pass-blocking standpoint. So there's ways to work with limitations on the line. They made some calculated risks, but the team also had no shortage of holes to fill on both sides of the football. Rome wasn't built in a day. 
especially when you tear it down to the degree that they did. Keith Finn Fan Stone, what are the chances Jordan Scarlett becomes the featured back? I would say next to zero, personally. Um, he's a tough runner, but I don't think he really fits. I don't think he has enough toughness and, and power in his, his game to push Malcolm Brown off of the short yardage back. And I don't think he has anywhere near the passing down skills or the versatility and agility as a runner to challenge Miles Garrett. And I would put Savan Ahmed in front of him as well, putting him in that bucket with Patrick Laird and Jared Dokes. Good question from King of Finland. Which pair, I told you, his offensive line is the, t- the flavor of the week here on Power to the Pod. Which pair would you rather start? Liam Eikenberg at left guard and Larnell Coleman at right tackle. Or Robert Jones at left guard and Liam Eikenberg at right tackle. I wish I had better context as far as what Eichenberg looked like at right tackle for myself. And maybe I'll get that this week in Chicago. But if Eichenberg, if the move of Eichenberg inside is because he plays better on the left side of the line because of muscle memory and technical skills, and I can't speak intelligently to what that is right now, and I don't want to sit here and lie to you guys or pretend to know something that I don't. But if that move of Eichenberg is more so about where he's going to be best, I want Liam Eichenberg to play where he's going to be best because I think it's a push with Coleman versus Jones. It's going to be... a your worst start on the line either way. So if you're going to have your worst starter on the line either way, and Eichenberg's going to be better at one spot or the other, that's where I want Eichenberg to play. And that's the combination I'm going to take. It's a good question though. Uh, Andy, which is your favorite Dolphins Jersey? Jeez. I always like the orange says Andy. Uh, with a profile picture of him wearing an orange T-shirt. I got real excited here in your profile picture. I thought you were wearing that Zach Thomas jersey, the, the orange one that you included in, in the tweet. Um, I got to be honest, though, the cartoon dolphin is probably my least favorite logo. So give me, give me the, the throwback aquas. Give me the throwback aquas. Uh, Lloyd, at this stage, I really have to question the Dolphins scouts for the offensive line positions. Is this not the second draft in a row where they drafted somebody to play right tackle and then came to the conclusion he couldn't handle it? Why is this happening? Uh, I would disagree. And also, we haven't played a snap yet. Right? So, So I don't think we can make any judgments or decisions, but the vast majority of teams evaluated Robert Hunt as a player and thought he was going to be a long-term guard. And I don't think that was any different for the Dolphins. They, they played him at right tackle because they, their best combination of five was going to have Eric Flowers at left guard and Solomon Kinley, who played guard for his career versus, Joe, versus Hunt, who played tackle in college, 
was better to plug and play immediately at right guard. I don't think anybody evaluated Robert Hunt and said, this is the long-term right tackle, and then watched him play last year and says, yeah, he can't do it. That tells me they've always evaluated Robert Hunt as a tackle. And there's no shame in having good guards. Again, uh, my working theory on the offensive line is you, can't, you can have a subpar player somewhere on the line. You'd ideally like it to not be the blindside pass protector. But again, we, we went over there's ways that you can work with those limitations. But what you cannot have is two bad players on the offensive line playing next to one another. That is going to then force and prompt you into changing how you make a lot of protection calls because you're going to have to simplify it and dumb it down and go full slide or, or, or four-man slide protection where everybody just steps left and occupies space, and that's where they'll overload that side and then they'll drop two guys out and they'll send two off the other side where you're sliding away from, and now you're out number three to two in protection if you're keeping the back in. So that's where it gets really messy. And I look at what the Dolphins have up front, and having good guards, if you have two good guards, you are literally guaranteeing you're not going to have two bad players playing next to one another across the entire offensive line. So... Uh, and again, I know that the stigma with blindside protectors, but like with the way the game's played these days, like you need you need quality play up front at all five spots, period. So if Liam's going to play better at left guard, then like, okay, great. You found a spot that's going to set him up for more long-term success, more immediate success as well, and instill better confidence in him. I would say the the other devil's advocate here is if you look at the 2021 NFL draft, and I I guess we're going to close on this concept today, but if you look at the 2021 NFL draft and where the Dolphins made their picks, where, where did you expect them to go from, from here? Because they made the selection of Jalen Waddle, right? Over Penny Sewell which I greatly appreciate with because, and agree with because the same concerns last question you have with Liam Eikenberg is applicable to Penny Sewell as far as playing right tackle and having to switch your entire muscle memory over. Okay. So you come back on the clock again at 18. Who's your best available tackle at this point? Christian Darisol, who had medical concerns, which is why he slid, And he's practiced for like a half of one practice and re-injured the groin that he required surgery on. So Darisol might not be ready to play to start the season. The next tackle that was taken was Tevin Jenkins at 39. The Dolphins had the pick at 36. They drafted Javon Holland. What did we say their top needs were on the pass rush or on the defensive side of the ball? guys who could win pass rush reps one-on-one. And they decided that they wanted to upgrade Bobby McCain in the same way they wanted to upgrade the offensive line. Well, Javon Holland, Tevin Jenkins, medical questions as well prompted him to slide down. Landon Dickerson, you want to talk about medical questions. Landon Dickerson comes off the board with the very next pick. Tevin Jenkins is gone by 39. Two more picks go by. 
the Dolphins trade up for Liam Eikenberg. You get to 45, Walker Little. Medical questions out the wazoo. Jackson Carmen currently listed as the third string right guard in Cincinnati with the 46th overall pick. Aaron Banks, 48 in San Francisco. He's an offensive guard. He's not a tackle. Sam Cosme, Washington football team. Rawer than a $2 steak. Isn't that what Jim, old Jim Ross used to say? Tougher than a $2 steak? Uh, Sam Cosme's raw. Rawer than sushi. Dylan Radunes played at North Dakota State, played one game in 2020. Now you're outside the top. Now you're outside the fourth, the second round. You get into the third round. So your opportunities to, to draft a tackle, is anybody mad that they drafted Jalen Waddell with Will Fuller not practicing? Preston Williams still on the PUP. Albert Wilson's been a breath of fresh air, but he has injury history as well. You need depth to make this work. So it was either you take Penny Sewell at at six instead of Waddle, and and then you're drafting at 18 Kadarius Toney, or you're drafting Christian Darisol with medical concerns at 18 instead of Jalen Phillips, or you're drafting... Tevin Jenkins at 36 instead of Javon Holland. And Holland's been the best performer rookie in camp. And then you get to where they made the trade. You can only make what moves are available based on what talent's available. And in hindsight, like, yeah, Eichenberg, he didn't, not a natural right tackle. But some of the book and the concern on, on Tevin Jenkins in Oklahoma State was the fact that, you know, he played in this offensive system that called almost everything effectively like a run block. Their play action passing, it's all run block concepts. Their RPO game, it's all run block concepts. They want to paint the same picture every single time. And for a team that is going to be more aggressive pushing the ball down the field, if you're going to do more deep set drop back passing, are you going to draft an offensive tackle from Oklahoma State and Tevin Jenkins, who's not taken a lot of true past sets as an offensive tackle? which is the same thing that could be applied to Penny Sewell. It was run, one read and go. So I understand the frustration, and I hope this helps, but it's like I'm not explaining the situation away and being dismissive and saying, oh, you know, they, they're fine, or oh, there's nothing wrong with the situation. I understand the concern, and yeah, I don't feel great about Jesse Davis either. I probably would have tried to find a way to make Morgan Moses work. But at the same time, it's like, what would you have had them do differently? And at what other expense to the roster? They made the pick of of Holland. Dickerson comes off the board at center. Tevin Jenkins comes off the board. This team immediately then goes up and gets aggressive and go gets the next best offensive tackle. And I would much rather have Eichenberg, even if it means playing him at guard, than have Walker Little, Jackson, Carmen, Aaron Banks, or Sam Cosme. Or Dylan Radunes for this team specifically. So I don't, I, I hear the concerns. But you also have to look at what was available throughout the course of these decisions that got the Dolphins to this point. 
And I don't think there's any home run opportunities here that we should be like, man, the Dolphins dropped the bag. They screwed the pooch. Because again, if DJ Fluger doesn't get hurt, are we even having this conversation? I don't think we are. I got a great, speaking of conversation, I got a great conversation coming up tomorrow on the show with a guest, I believe. This is my first guest, other than other members of the Locked On Network. You're going to want to make sure you catch this one. So hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for tuning in and listening. I'm Kyle Krabs. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. And I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Fins up. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.